Good morning. Happy Mother's Day to the mothers in the making, the mothers who are, the grandmothers, the aunts, the friends, everyone who has some kind of relationship with kids. We're all uh, taking care of kids in some kind of way. So happy Mother's Trail. They say hi. A shot from our PK contingency in Israel. They say hi. And yes, by the way, that is Jim smiling. Just, I looked at him and I said, okay, sometimes take a photo where you don't like look like the um, Mossad agent out there or something, you know. But anyway, I think as best I can tell, they're standing in front of the Valley of Megiddo. Those of you that have been there, I think that's what it is. I don't remember the railing, but that would be the Valley of Megiddo slash Armageddon. Uh, so that's a, it's a beautiful view of things, but it is kind of profoundly important to stand there and just look at that dirt in terms of the book of Revelation. But they are having a great trip, and they all send their hellos and, and happy Mother's Days to you. So they'll be back with some Hallmark. So anyway, I was going to begin my Mother's Day message with some Hallmark beautiful kind of wonderful quotes about moms and things like that. And it just, I got into it and thought, no, I think I'll just go with this instead. Because really, you know, uh, there's, I would rather talk about the real moments of parenting. And so there's always this moment when they realize, okay, so you're something besides a mom. So, and then on this Mother's Day, uh, I love the kids' face behind. Right to do whatever you want to do. It's your day. So, I love the kids' face behind. And then this is one that I thought had a lot of truth to it, even. So, especially if you're raising boys, can I just say this is pure truth. If a woman speaks and no one's listening, it's probably mom. So... But this is my favorite quote about Mother's Day. I put this in my blog last week, too. Um, I think it kind of sums it up. There's no way to be a perfect mom and a million ways to be a good one. And I think if we realize the potential, the true goal, then we're going to come closer to reaching what God made us to do. There's no such thing as a perfect mom, and I'm very grateful for that. I figure if you run it about the 55%, just lower your start succeeding. So just uh, when you can't seem to make it, just lower your standards, and you'll feel a lot better. But... Anyway, I love this day, and this is one of the things I want to talk about today on Mother's Day, because if we're here for worship on Sunday, it's neat to honor moms, and it's special to honor moms, but we're really here to honor God. And there is a thought that I had last week that I literally had never owned before. And think about it this way. Mothers, if you use the concept of who God is, God created mothers. If you stop and think about it, we could have been reptilian. He knew how to make babies from eggs, right? We could have, moms could have just come up on the sand, laid a bunch of eggs, and gone back to the ocean. That's what the turtles do, right? They have a lot easier task of it, but God didn't set it up that way. So why, when God was creating Did he create the creation process? You know, if he did, it's perfection. So why did God create a process that requires a mom 
to raise a baby and a dad? Why is the whole element of being created as a mom? Verse 13, I like this verse in Isaiah. Isaiah 66, verse 13. God tells the prophet, he said, as one whom his mother comforts, so I will comfort you. And as I studied that verse, I learned something new about God that I wanted to share with you today. I teach women most of the time. That's just kind of what I've done for the last 30 years. I teach groups of women. And you can be in a room full of women. One toddler can fall. 40 toddlers running through the room. One toddler can fall and get hurt. And that toddler's mom can cross that room in 1.2 seconds. When she reaches that baby who's crying, she doesn't stop, look at the baby and think, I wonder what I should do now. She doesn't look at the baby and think at all. She simply reaches down, picks that baby up in one smooth motion, and that baby knows he or she is safe. And when God spoke these words to Isaiah, he said, here's what you need to tell them about who I am. He told Isaiah, you tell them, I'm as one who comes in, as one his mother comforts, so I will comfort you. Let me say that again. As one whom his mother comforts, so I, God, will comfort you. The next time you hit a wall or come up against it, this is a really good verse to remember. And when you think about your mom, when you think about why God created moms, I think it's because it's one of the best ways you can know how God cares about you. There is something, they hand you that baby, totally possessive when you become a mom. They hand you that baby, and you're never the same human being again. You're forever changed. You realize the capacity to love another human being like you've never known before. And so the next time you hit a wall or get into a moment of struggle, remember what God told Isaiah. Because we cry out, and that's what God does. He comes in and he scoops you up and he comforts you like a mom would comfort her little one. And that needs to be who God is. The rest of the story on this verse is this. No mom, no good mom ever holds that baby for the next 18 years, right? A good mom knows when to put the baby back down so that they can move forward on their own. So God will swoop in and comfort you during those hard times of life, but there will come the day when he puts you back down and says, you can do it now, and I'll be there for the next time too. But to me, this is one of my favorite mother verses because I understood God's love with a love I'd never known when they handed me Ryan in the hospital. And I loved with a love I'd never known before. And I knew that's how God loves me too. That's a mom's love. And you know, even all of us imperfect moms 
know that's true. Imagine God's perfection loving us like that. Because God doesn't have all those self-centered notions too. I mean, we'll pick the baby up, but if something else is going on, we may put him down a little sooner than we ought to too. Or we may look over there and if somebody else picks him up, say, okay, somebody else can comfort him this time, right? God's perfection. God's ability to love us and care for us and scoop us up is perfection. Ours is always going to be imperfect and his. And my mom's here today with my sister. And a mom is a forever kind of presence. There are some people in our lives that nobody else will ever fill that spot. A mom is always a mom. Gosh, I got choked up. Sorry. You can't replace a mom. You can't fill in. You can be there. You can supplement. But a mom's place in your life is always going to be that. So before I get sappy, let me move on. Place in your life. You can learn about God too. God is just as forever a place in your life. And just like there's a place that only a mom can fill, there's also a place only God can fill in your life. I think it was Augustine that said, there's a God-shaped emptiness in all of us that nothing, no one else can fill. We're created with it. We're created with this empty spot that needs God. And so, just like we know we need our moms, we need to, in the same way, know we need God. And we never give our kids everything, but we can help them understand God's presence and purpose in their life. I think the most important job every mom has is that. If you have succeeded, we all worry about getting them into college and teaching them how to walk and teaching them how And I looked at cricket when it comes by on the floor, right? Uh, I crossed the room one day and I looked at Ryan and I was like, oh my, because the only thing left was the little leg hanging off his bottom lip. Yeah, it was, I was like, oh well, you know, <clears throat> we teach them the things we think we need to know. I got it. I was talking with someone last week, her daughter just turned 16. And so we had this little cold snap come through. And so her daughter, who now feels really capable uh, to manage a car, decided to do her mom a big thing at the same. So her mom was like, didn't know she needed to put the garage door up at the same. So her mom was like, no, <laughs> she runs out. And so she had to explain, okay, you can't ever do that. Um, but you know, it's surprising the things we need to remember to teach our kids that sometimes we don't even know we need to teach them. There's a lot of things we need to learn in this life and a lot of things that we'll never be able to fully teach our kids. But here's one thing you can. I think if you have taught your kids this lesson, you have succeeded. And it's this, God is able to bless you abundantly so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. If you can help your kids understand they have a great need is to life God's able to bless. That their greatest need in life is to live in such a way that God can guide them and speak to them and love them and know them. That they can hear God's voice and know his word. That that's the thing that's going to be their highest success. We all worry so much about the, um, the college they get into and trigonometry. I mean, raise your hand if you still need trigonometry, right? Uh, 
By the way, if you're in school right now, keep going. You need it. That's the truth. We learn a lot. Don't pay any attention to what I just said. But that's, that's the truth. We learn a lot of things, and we work really hard to teach our kids to succeed. What if their greatest, most important success is to know that God loves them and wants to guide their life? If you've taught your kids that, you've taught them that God can bless them abundantly in all things. Jeremiah was told, God told Jeremiah, but blessed is the one who trusts in the Lord, whose confidence is in him. They will be like a tree planted by the water that sends out roots by the stream, does not fear when heat comes. Its leaves are always green. It has no worries in a year of drought and never fails to bear fruit. And hope kids know that we do our best and then we turn them over. And hopefully they will know where to plant their lives by that stream. They'll learn that they are rooted in God and they can draw on him for their strength and their what they need in life. Because there will be seasons of drought in everybody's life. We've been pastoring people now for more than 30 years. And I can honestly stand in front of any group of human beings and say, there will always be a drought time in the ability to. So what's the great gift you can give your kids? The ability to know that they're going to be fine anyway. If they're rooted and planted in the Lord, they're going to be fine. They're a tree planted by the stream. They're a tree that knows even when a drought comes, the roots are deep enough to still get what they need, to still drink that water in. Blessed is the one who does what? Blessed is your child if they know and trust God. And maybe the highest thing we need to want for our children is God's blessing. So teach them to trust God. He's the one that's going to be there when you're not. This is especially important decision. Child is 14. At 14, they go and they make adult decisions with adult consequences, only they're not adults yet. 14 to 18, 14 to 25 if you have a boy, right? Those are hard years. That's when they're making those great decisions, those big decisions, but they're not really asking you all the time. And so how great if they know that God's opinion matters. Teach them to trust God, that he's their best strength. Because you're not the, the wicked is the man who does not walk in the way, uh, the, in the counsel of the wicked or stand in the way of sinners or sit in the seat of mockers. But his delight is in the law of the Lord and on his law, he meditates day and night. Okay, what does that mean for a mom? or any parent, truthfully, blessed are you if you can raise your kid not to listen to people who are going to tell them things the Bible calls wicked. That's probably not the best translation for us today because in biblical theology, the word like wicked or evil simply means anything that is not true with God. Blessed is your child if he doesn't believe false teaching that the against best is your child if he doesn't take advice from people who are advising him against something that God would want him to do 
And our kids today, it's what I do. We have a Christian parenting website I work with. I will tell you, one of the most important things for your children is to be able to stand against what they're being taught. I had a mom in one of my Bible studies come up to me a few weeks ago, and she said, I need to tell you something. Her daughter had gone in, uh, graduating from an Ivy League school, and a job, and the closing counseling appointment before they go off to get a job. And the counselor at the Ivy League school, which had been started as a Christian university, but her daughter was told. She walked in, and this counselor goes through and studies everything. The daughter was told, you need to clean up your Facebook account. You need to take down anything that's a scriptural reference. You need to take off indicators that you are an avid Christian. And they said, and don't wear that cross necklace into an interview because you might be perceived as a person who's not able to get along with everyone. This This happened this year at an Ivy League school with a young woman who's a strong Christian woman and is graduating from a university founded on the principles of God. And that's what the counselor counseled her to do. That's today. So I stand in front of you knowing a lot of us have grandkids. A lot of us have kids that are getting there. Are your kids going to be able to be that tree planted possible consequence? I can stand on that truth regardless of possible consequence. Because there are coming consequences to being a vocal Christian, to being an out there Christian, an upfront Christian. There are going to be some repercussions to living your faith out loud. And that's true for all of us. But as you raise your kids, are they going to trust God so much that his word matters more? than that job, or that circle, or that approval, or that perception. It's an interesting day we come up in, but there's really, in American history, never been a time that it's more and kids to know who they are in Christ, and have that be their strongest identity, because The Bible says, don't walk in the counsel of people who are going to say things that God has not said. Uh, Don't stand in the way of sinners. Don't hang with the people who enjoy sinning and mockers. And that's a word we don't use very often. But that's a lot of what's going on in the world today. There are those who think that, which is dangerous or uh, divisive. Which counsel? Are they going to stand in the counsel of God's word or in the counsel of someone like a very highly respected paid counselor at what used to be a Christian university? It's an interesting day we live in. God blesses those who patiently endure testing and temptation. God will bless your kids when they stand for their faith anyway. God will bless them. He will strengthen them. He will, they will have his joy 
afterward, they'll receive the crown of life that God's promised. I think that's the highest goal. There were times where my kids were blowing it, and I was not liking exactly who they were that particular season of their life. <clears throat> and I kind of looked at They knew they could be doing better. But you know what? I knew they knew God. And I knew that no matter when they drove off to college, that they had ahead of them a crown of life. There's a great peace and comfort for parents when you know your children are headed for heaven. And if they're not, you know that's your number one job as a parent, to pray them to that place. Not just where God's a part of their life, but where he's a control in their life. And priority part of their life. Because the crown of life is the forever success. Start children off. This is actually one of the most misused verses in all of scripture. I want to teach this one. I've taught this a few times before. Start children off on the way they should go. And even when they are old, they will not depart from it. The most important part of that verse is the book it comes from. Because one of the things you have to know is Proverbs are not a promise. Proverbs aren't promises. They're statements of general truth. They were never intended to be read as a promise. A proverb means this is probably what's going to happen. The way you know that, how can you know that's not can go off and you can raise your kids to be everything and they still can go off and do their own thing. How do you know that proverb is not a promise? It negates their God-given, created gift of free choice and free will. You can't have free will and have that statement there be a promise. The only promise it is, is you're stacking your odds in your favor. When you raise them up to know God, you're stacking the odds that they're going to. But when you've got to walk with them later. So we do our best to raise them up. But when you've got a prodigal and... In a room this size, there's been a few prodigals. I mean, truthfully, we're all a prodigal at some point in our life, right? For those prodigal moments, here's what you can know. The best thing to do is stand at the end of the road and pray for them. Uh, I counsel moms oftentimes when they have a prodigal that it might be that the very place you want your child is the pigsty. Because the pigsty is where the prodigal came to his senses, as parents, we try to get in between our kid and the pigsty sometimes. Uh, actually, you might want to be shoving them on in. Because if that's where they're going to come to their senses and meet God, you actually want them to get pretty sloppy dirty. view the So, it's an interesting position to be in, but that's the way I view the prodigal son. You can raise him up. Why did he come back to God? Why did the prodigal come back to his father? Because he knew his father loved him. He knew his best life was the worst life his dad was going to give him. And that's why he came home. And surprise, his dad scooped him up, like Isaiah said, and comforted him. So, it says, this is one of my life here, if we live, the best, Galatians 5.25. It says in here, if we live, the better word really for that verse is since. Since we live by God's spirit, let's keep in step. Let's walk with. 
his Holy Spirit. That's one of the greatest things for a mom. All those mom moments, especially when they're 14 and 15 and they come up to you and ask you a question and you can't say, wait till your dad gets home. And there's all these great moments in parenting where you just don't know. And I even looked at my boys sometimes and said, okay, let me tell you, I'm only guessing right now. This is as good as I can do. This is my best guess. And there were other times I had to go back to my kids and go, okay, I blew that one. I should have said yes when I said no. I goofed. I should have done it differently. There were times I had to go back to my boys and say, okay, I goofed. And that's the point of it. There's no perfect parent. So for all the young people, the kids in here, here's the point. You, if you're a Christian, God's given you his Holy Spirit. Who is that? It is the continued earthly ministry of Jesus through you. Since you walked into this building with the Holy Spirit, you can walk with him where he wants to take us. Walk with him. You got two choices. You can walk with him where he wants to take you, or you can do your own thing. You can create your own truth, your own ideas, or You can walk with the Holy Spirit who will take you places you never imagined. Trust me, I've told you this before. I, I'm waving at the kids, I never would have planned to marry a preacher. Not in a million. Not in three million would I have planned to marry a preacher. God has some surprises in store for you. If you have a plan for your life and it's got to be that, you might miss God's. Uh, Jeremiah 29, 11 does not say, for I know the plans I have for you, says your mother. For I know the plans I have for you, says your counselor. For you, plans I have for you, says your best friend. That verse says, for I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. And trust me, his ways are higher. His thoughts are different. And I imagine for most of us that have seen our 50th birthday, I've got one more decade past that. For most of us that have been around here for a while, I don't think any of us are doing what we thought we would do when we were 16 or 17. That number's always small. God has such new ideas for who he wants you to be. Jesus' success is to walk with the Holy Spirit God gave you. Jesus looked at his disciples and he said, with man, this is impossible, but not with God. All things are possible with God. Mary said that too when they said she was going to have a baby. She said, nothing's impossible with God. Whatever's in your life right now, it's possible. And God calls us to the impossible sometimes. In fact, if you look at scripture, God rarely makes good sense at all. I married a preacher, and with this mouth, I probably shouldn't have. There are times in my life I look back and I think, how did this even happen? God has impossible things for you to do. He said something. He takes you to the edge of the Jordan River, and he says, yeah, cross today. He said something in front of you that's nothing you would have ever thought to do. And he opens the door and he says, yeah, I want you there. I want you to do that new thing. I want to give you this. Abundant blessing is looking him in the face and going, that seems impossible. But I know nothing's impossible with you.
So I'm walking through it anyway. I'm walking with the Holy Spirit's leadership through that door. It's actually already done. To do is impossible. If God wants you to do it, it's actually already done. If he calls you to it, it's done. So here's one that my last and closing favorite verse. I cling to this as I hit my 60th birthday this year. This first part of this verse is something I want to claim as pure truth for the rest of my life. Charm is deceptive and beauty is fleeting. It is fleeting. It is, I'm on the downhill slope of the fleeting part, right? Charm is deceptive, beauty is fleeting. If you're a, a young person in this room, let me do you a favor. You probably won't marry the person you think is the hottest person in the room, right? Especially if that person also thinks they're the hottest person in the room. Uh, What's really attractive about a person? Uh, They fear the Lord. I remember the moment I looked at Jim Dennison and thought, okay, he has potential. We had had gone to a little church who didn't have very many members, was having a revival. And so they called Houston Baptist University and said, can you send us some students who can keep the nursery so that all of our members can come to the revival? So Jim and I signed up for a night, and we went over to keep the babies, the two- and three-year-olds, itty-bitty babies. So he was in the room with all the two- and three-year-olds. And so, of course, every mom of an itty-bitty baby shows up at the nursery door early. As soon as the service is out, you got the new moms, right? So I'm done early on. Well, the room with the two-, three-, and four-year-olds, you know, they'll go ahead and, and talk a little longer and just let their kids stay in the room, right? And so Jim was still keeping kids, and I was all done with my job, and I showed up to go find him at the room where he was, and I just stood at the door, and I watched Jim Dennison, who was sitting in the middle of this nursery floor, and he probably had four or five toddlers climbing all over him, and he was just playing and having fun with them, and I remember standing at the door thinking, okay, he's got potential. Remember that? We had just started dating, and I remember that moment because that's the one you can spend your life with. That's the kind of human being who loves God and loves people and who walks with God and wants to serve God. That's a person with great potential. Don't settle for less. I'm doing all your moms a favor on Mother's Day. Don't settle for the stuff the world says is so important. Think, go that beauty's fleeting, and look at people from a God perspective. Beauty's fleeting, charm is deceptive. No matter how attractive she is today, she will look like her mother in 30 years or 40 years, right? It's just the way it works. That's frightening to a lot. The young people that are in the room going, I'm scared to death now. (laughs) But it's the truth. The deeper things in life are what matter. And it's this. The person who fears the Lord is to be praised. So, moms, raise your kids to be a person who fears the Lord. Chances are, if you do, they're going to follow suit. Teach your children and want for them the things that God wants for their life, even though the world tells what you call this too. What you really want for your kids is joy. 
What you really want for your kids is knowing that they're exactly working to be the person God's called them to be. That's the joy of life. And you're a great success when you look at your kids and realize they know God as their father and they trust him for their lives. That's your great parental success. So I'm going to claim that proverb. Some will, and with your prodigals, don't ever give up on them. Claim that proverb. If you raised them, they know it, and there's a really good chance they'll come back to it someday. So I close with that happy Mom's Day, wishing you God's unending favor, his kindness, and his love for this Mother's Day and every other day that comes. Moms do an amazingly great work in this world. Remember that verse from Isaiah and make sure you know God and his love in that way. He's our great comforter. He adores all of us. And he wants you to know that. So if you need to know how God feels about you, Remember, planet, you did fully how your mom felt about you. And if on this planet you didn't have one of those moms, know that God stands ready to be that mom for you too. He's the only perfect parent that's ever been. The rest of us are shooting for that 55 to 60 percentile mark. Let's pray. And I do thank you, Lord God, for this morning. I thank you for every mom that's in this room. Lord, we all bow before you knowing that we, us, will always, but that anything you do through us will always be perfection. So, Father, may we yield our lives to what you want to do. May we yield our words to what you want to say. And mostly, Father, may we just be a channel of your love to the people around us. May our kids know you and trust you and find joy in you because we do. Lord, may we all walk from this place with a perfect parent. And may we realize, Lord God, you have made everything possible for us through your Holy Spirit. Lord God, may we rest in your love, your truth. And sometimes filled with your joy. Thank you for blessing us. Sometimes for blessing us anyway. We love you for that, God. And we pray in the name of your great gift, Jesus Christ. Amen. Have a great week.